Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 36, Against All Odds. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. Can you hear that? It is silence. This past week has been a quiet one. Since the XFL's Hawaii showcase, there has not been any announcements or leaks. So, unfortunately, I do not have any XFL developments to cover. But don't go anywhere. Because this week we have a fascinating interview. I am joined by linebacker and defensive end Garrett Pemilton, who participated in the XFL Showcase in Hawaii. Here is our conversation. Welcome, Garrett. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show to discuss your XFL Hawaii Showcase experience. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. I didn't realize your unique collegiate career until I was preparing for the show. You've had quite the journeyman career, starting with your junior college days at Rochester Community Technical College, and then at North Dakota State College of Science, and then your move to Division II Adams State University, and finally at NAIA Valley City State University. Can you take a moment and share how those opportunities came about? Yeah, so I mean, out of high school, I didn't have the best GPA. Uh, I had you know, ridiculous stats uh, in high school, but I wasn't there in the classroom. So I talked to a lot of coaches. They said my best bet to make it to the next level would be going the junior college route. So Rochester actually got a hold of me and Coach Q, uh, he was a great coach over there. He's no longer with them anymore, but he won, I believe, like 11 championships with them. So he was one of the most winning JUCO coaches there was. He recruited me out there, went out there on a visit. I liked it. I turned down my D3s and D2s so I could go junior college. Hopefully, I can make that D1 roster. I was thinking at best at this time. Went out to – had a great run. We were, blew everyone in the conference out. You know, it was like 77-0, 50-0. Uh, we ended up making the national championship. Uh, we were the first Division three junior college team to make it to the national championship. We did end up losing that experience. It was awesome. Uh, we got to play against Gardner Minchie. He was the starting quarterback for the team that we played against. It was Northwest Mississippi. Their team was stacked. You know, they had Division One guys on full rides. They had like 20-plus of those guys. Really good athletes, really great experience. After that, there was a falling out with the coaching staff. There was a investigation going on with our school president for, like, dipping into money and stuff. They fired all the coaches that were hired under them. Then I transferred to North Dakota School of Science, uh, went over there, did really well, balled out. I wanted to take more into the academic approach out there. So I went in, did some extra things. I did uh, science and leadership, student senate, 
you know, my redshirt year out there, I redshirted one year out there. I ended up coaching high school over at the high school for wrestling. I was awarded a Minnesota assistant coach of the year that year. And then I got to coach the all-star wrestling team out there. Super cool experience. Ended up playing the next season, balling out. Still was involved with the student senate, signed to leadership, all of those things. Ended up graduating. I didn't have that big D1 offer yet that I was still waiting for. A couple of schools were saying, like, you could, you know, walk on this and that. But I wasn't getting that big bag that I wanted yet. So uh, uh, Adam State had called me. I was good friends with their quarterback, played in the Juco with him. And he said, uh, you know, we need uh, we need some more defensive players, linebackers and DNs. Kaya Ellis was their defensive line coach. He played 13 consecutive seasons in the CFL. He's a great guy. He ended up having me uh, sold in there on my visit. I liked him. I liked a lot what he had to say, a lot of knowledge about the sport. He helped me. He was a great mentor over there. Ended up, you know, we didn't have the best season, you know, which is all right by me, but the respect over there for me was kind of lacking. I was told they were going to give me a scholarship upgrade and everything. And after spring ball and after the season, well, after the season, I, I led the team in sacks and tackle for losses, and they didn't give me that scholarship, and I couldn't afford it to keep playing there. So I said, you know, I'll do spring ball, but if I can't get the scholarship after. And I didn't do anything. I didn't have a you know bad experience or anything. Like, everything was good. They just, you know, they couldn't afford to give me any more money. So I said, I can't afford to be out here right now. So I ended up taking some time off. You know, I thought I was going to be done with football. And, you know, I was just like, I didn't like working the nine to five. You know, I was like, I need to play football. Like, this is my passion. This is my career. This is my life. Wherever it's at, I got to play it. So I started calling up schools that had recruited me heavily at high school and junior college. Valley City State was one of the only coaching staffs that were all the same coaches. So Coach Horner and Coach Mack had been coaching there for over 20 plus years. So those guys were still there. You know, they said, this is what we can do. We can give you this much money. School is this much money. And financially, that looked like the best route. I thought at that time I was going to be going to somewhere in Texas to play because that's where, you know, I was trying to stay near my family and everything. That's not how it worked out. God wanted me up in North Dakota, so I moved up there and then, you know, finished the season, did all right, did pretty well, got invited to some senior bowls, played in those, and now we're here. I think fans that really don't understand the collegiate landscape don't really understand what it means for, one, a student, but a student athlete that has to fund their own way through education. And the burden that could be, depending if especially a player comes from a family that doesn't have the means. And if it's not state schools, but even state schools are expensive. So I think your journey, it's not common, but it's really not that shocking to me. And when I reached out to your representation, this seemed like a perfect interview because when I look at you, Four different lower division colleges on a single player's resume is an anomaly. We just don't see that. I can't think of any other player with similar playing experiences at high levels of professional football. You have this against all odds vibe about you. How does those experiences prepare you for this process of pursuing a professional football career? 
Man, so it's always been a lot of doubt. Like everyone's been telling me for the longest, you know, I went to high school, I graduated with 97 kids. We we did not have a lot of options in our class. You know, everyone was saying like, you know, there's no way he's going to be a professional football player. There's no way. And I just, you know, I ignore that the critics and I ignore whatever is going on. And I know it's only up to me. It's not up to what people think about me. It's what I do when I get these opportunities to perform, you know. How do you go about ridding that stigma? Because it must be there all the time. Small school kid. I mean, I graduated 169 kids in high school, but you're coming from even a, a smaller class than that. And I already knew what the stigmas I dealt with because I, I was a collegiate soccer player. So it just happened to be my strengths were, you know, on the soccer field. Still have a passion for football, but I was a soccer player. But I understood the stigmas in the recruiting landscape for myself. I can only imagine what it was coming from even a smaller school yet. So how do you go about ridding yourself of those stigma? Opportunity to be viewed just as the same as that division one power five conference competitor. Right. It's uh, you know, it it all started in high school. You know, I would go to these division one university camps and these combines there. And I would look at myself and I'd see me doing a lot better than these guys who are coming from, high schools that have thousands and thousands of kids. And I'm like, I don't really care about how many kids I have in my school because I'm out working you. And I know I'm going to put in that work and I know I'm going to be the best player I could possibly be. Then when it goes up to, you know, like the college level at the collegiate level, we're getting into our pro days, you know, and our our all-star bowls and everything. We played in the podium all-star game, how they split up the teams. It was like D3, D2 and NAIA all on one side. And then it was the D1 and D2s on the other side. And we actually ended up winning the NAIA side. We won. We beat them. You know, everyone was like, oh, Georgia Tech's over there. You know, he's he's their starting DN. He's going to run everyone through the water. Solid athlete, but we ended up beating. We exposed all of them. You know, they were that uh, Division II All-American left tackle that we were making the run rounds on them. It was a really good experience when you have the opportunity to showcase your abilities with those higher level athletes. You can really get the comparison in yourself and where you stand comfortably with those guys, you know. I'm not aware of any professional playing experience. Have you been playing any arena football or overseas? Uh, no, I actually, you know, I had a couple offers to go play arena football kind of was turning them all down. I wanted to try to pursue the bigger things and, you know, try to make it first to one of these bigger leagues. And if I couldn't, then I was going to, uh, I actually just got into Houston, uh, the Houston jets. They should be playing a game here soon. They're trying to still figure out what's going on with all that. They're an indoor team. I think I'm going to go try out with them, uh, try a game with them, see how it goes. Was out in New York for a Canadian deal with it was a pro level sports agency combine and there was a few canadian uh, scouts out there one of them had said they would like to see me get some uh, arena film and so they could critique off of there so that might be something here in the near future but no as of now i have not played yet for a professional game yeah the canadian football league is kind of a tough break as well because of their ratios with the American and Canadian players and, and all that. Yeah, thing, they, had, so. they had just made a roster. They just had that player tentative agreement recently, uh, which allowed them to add on more U.S. players than they used to be able to do. 
I understand you participated at the XFL Hawaii showcase, which was yeah, initially was, uh, invite only. So how did that opportunity yeah. come about? Um, I'm out in New York. Uh, I'm just get done with the combine out there. And I'm with one of my, uh, you know, another representative. My agent has another athlete or whatever. And we're all, we're just sitting around talking. He says to me, he's like, you know, man, he's like this, uh, this XFL showcase is an invite only now it's anyone can go. They just dropped that. And I was like, I'm there, man. Like, cause the Texas one and Arizona one, they were already all sold out completely booked everything was booked florida was already done everything was sold out so we're like you know how can we go perform at one of these showcases? how can i go show off my abilities and my talents and that popped up that day when we were thinking about it so you know we we saw it saw really good deals on flights and everything we got hooked up that day we got signed up everything got set and then it was just it was awesome experience out there i was gonna ask because I noticed you posted a picture of co-owner Dwayne The Rock Johnson and yourself on social media. And yep. also in attendance was the chairwoman co-owner, Dini Garcia, and president Absolutely. of league and football operations, Russ Brandon. So what was Danny Garcia and Dwayne The Rock Johnson's message to the showcase participants? Danny was really letting us know uh, what she wanted to see out there. And it was just very good speakers, really humbling and just like being able to listen to them talk about their vision of the league and everything. It was just, it was amazing, you know? So yeah, Danny was telling us what she wanted to see from us and everything and how we should perform that event, what their vision was. Uh, they were saying the rock, he was always the 54th man, 53 men on the roster, 54th man gets cut. So the rock at all these showcases for the XFL, he, they're highlighting the 54, the number right there. I didn't know why until they explained it. I was like, why is number 54 always been highlighted at all these events? You know, I understand it makes a lot more sense now. So the rock, he, uh, he said he wants this league to be a development league for the NFL. He was saying that the XFL is essentially going to be the starter program for the NFL. Uh, he was really disappointed that he didn't make the NFL. And he said that was the best thing that never happened to him was the NFL. He said that he wanted to give everyone else equal opportunities who couldn't get to the NFL, who just wasn't quite ready. He wanted to prep them up because if he had that opportunity when he was younger, he would have done that. But I, it's just all around a you know, crazy experience for me. As for when I met him, actually, so he was kind of untouchable there. There was press around him 24-7, like the whole time security right next to him people were always by him you couldn't get up there and just start chopping it up you know so how it worked was the defense performed early in the morning and then the offense would come in after the defense came in we did our thing and then after we got escorted out by the security i i didn't even like realize what i was doing i just got a phone call went to went off to the side answered it really quick went used the restroom and then when I walked back out, the gates were closed and the defense was already on the other side. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Started talking to the security guard a little bit. And I was like, man, wouldn't that be cool if I could just, you know, like just go talk to the rock or something. And then he's like, he's like, man, he's right over there. And I was like, I couldn't even see him because of how much media was surrounded him. I was like, okay, like, yeah, you do care if I just go like take a quick selfie or something. He's like, go ahead, man. If you can get over there, that's all you. And I was like, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, walked over there. 
I thought it was just going to be like local Hawaiian news channels or something. They're interviewing him and then he, he, they're like, ESPN, do you have a question? Fox News, do you have a question? NBC. So it's like all these big names and I'm just like right behind them. Like, holy smokes. Like these are the big dogs right here. Uh, <laughs> so after about like 15, 20 minutes of these interviews, whatever, they're like, all right, no more questions. We're going to, we're going to take a couple pictures and get out of here. So I tried to sneak into that group of pictures and they're like, oh no, like press media only. Like, I was like, okay, like understandable, like whatever. Like that was good enough for me. Like I got to hear a whole bunch of other stuff that nobody else got to see or hear at that event. Like I was sitting there, listening to him, have everything he had to say about the XFL, about his career, about everything. It was, it gave me goosebumps. It was awesome. You know? So I started to walk away. I had my phone out. I was just looking down and then uh, I look up and the rock is standing right in front of me, Dwayne, the rock Johnson. He's like, how'd you do today? And then it was just like, that he came up to me, it felt so much better. And like that he came and approached me after the press and everyone told me, no, I can't go see him and stuff. He came approach me and it was just like such a surreal feeling. Uh, we had sat there and chopped it up for about 10 minutes right away. It was just him and I conversating and it was all natural. Everything was normal. I didn't feel like pressed or forced in the situation at all. But then I look around and like, we're just surrounded by camera, like just all of us all around is just camera. And it's like, okay, there we go. Like that, that makes sense. We're talking to the rock, but it was really cool. You know, he told me he wants to see me in the XFL. Uh, you know, he said he's going to review his team's going to review my numbers and my films. And for some reason he said, if I can't make it to the XFL, I told him about my wrestling background. I was a state champ in high school. And he really liked that. He's, you know, he was talking to me about the discipline it takes to be a wrestler and everything. So he had said, you know, if I can't make it into the XFL uh, in the spring, he wants to see me in the ring, uh, hopefully in the WWE in the winter. So. So what does that do for you? Getting that chance? Is it like a new level of like a passion fire? Like, how do you process it, all that? You know, like. I shook his hand like when we shook hands like instantly I felt like I like I, I was holding greatness you know right there in my hand like I was I have to you know I have to reach these expectations I just talked to Dwayne The Rock Johnson and he told me he wants to see me in the XFL or the WWE so I was I you know it just blew me away it's like it just makes you think, you know, everything you do, you just got to be smart and cautious about, you know, everything, every move, every make, everything has to be done properly, uh, working out everything, you know, playing in the right game. Like if I were to go sign a sign a contract with an indoor team, end up being like a, something that wasn't good, ended up risking a high injury, everything you got to take into consideration when you're at big opportunity like these, you know. So how do you think you performed at the showcase? I didn't do bad at all. Uh, I feel like there's always room for great improvement. The turf it was a little warm, you know, it was pretty hot out there. So I think that was causing a lot of people to slide through a lot of things. So I actually ended up running a couple events a few times just because I kept slipping on them. But overall, I didn't do bad. You know, I didn't hit any numbers that were like, "Ooh, this guy shouldn't be here, you know. Did you get much feedback after? I know I've spoke to some other people that have participated in the showcases and they were still waiting to hear their 40 times and stuff. Have you since received 
some of that information? Yeah, I got I got my uh, times back. Yep. And they look fairly normal for you. Yeah, they didn't look bad. Um, there was a couple of things. I'm not gonna lie. There was a couple of them that were like, I could have done better. I know I could do a lot better than that. Like my L drill, I think I hit like a seven five, and I know I could hit like the first L drill I did there was like a seven two, but I slipped. I had my hand down on it, so they said you got to do it again. And by the time I hit my fourth L drill, it's like. I'm kind of gassed, you know, but did <laughs> just did four in a row. But yeah, I, I think ultimately, you know, I didn't do bad, but I could have done a lot better. I know you're going to take a chance or look into the opportunity into the arena league there with the Houston team. What would that potentially do to your chances? Are those contracts binding that if you were to receive an XFL draft invitation, would that potentially hinder you from being selected in November's draft? Right. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, you got to look into. Um, but for this league, for most arena leagues, any contract that is paying higher or does any type of tier one is what they call them. So it would be NFL, CFL, XFL, USFL. Those are the four major leagues that can opt out of any contract unless you're with one of those four leagues. You know, those, other than that, like, all the other pro leagues will opt you out for those contracts. All right, good. So I know you've mentioned it earlier. You're represented by pro level agents. Sir. How did this affiliation come about and how much have they helped you in your pursuit of achieving your goals? Buddy has been absolutely awesome. He's always there. They have a whole staff of uh, agents and coaches there. They've been huge. Um, Coach Greer has been uh, sending me some workouts to do throughout this process. When I haven't been at training centers, uh, he's been sending me these workouts to do on my own time. Uh, and he's got the pro experience. Uh, he, he played in the league for a while. Uh, you know, that has been very helpful. Buddy, when I went out to New York, you know, he sat me down. I got to sit down and eat with a couple uh, CFL scouts getting me in front of these guys, letting me shoot my shot. The way he's able to market everything with the connections he has. So his uncle is uh, Buddy Ryan. That's uh, Rex and Rob, Ryan's father, you know. Buddy yeah. Ryan's in the Hall of Fame. Rex and Rob, they're currently active on ESPN and everything. So they all used to coach in the NFL. Buddy worked with the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, he worked with them for quite a while, he was saying. Parted ways, doing his own agency now. Yeah, and he's been awesome. He's been a great help. So outside of football, what have you been up to? Outside of football, man, football really has been my life lately. Like, honestly, I was up in Fargo, North Dakota. I was staying at the hotel where I was working. Uh, it was a great hotel, Candlewood Suites at NDSU. And then I was, uh, I was training football over at Sanford Power, getting ready for these combines. Before, I didn't know if I was going to be playing football ever again. Just about six months ago, I had a life-threatening injury. I was working. I had a piece of cast iron go into my arm on some freaky shit, just the craziest. I don't know if you can see the scar there. Oh, yeah. All the way. Yep. Wow. So, yeah, I had a piece of cast iron go into my arm. I was leaking out. I had suffered five muscles straight through a main artery and two veins all split in half. 
they had the tourniquets wrapped around my arm, which saved my life. Ended up going in, getting surgery that day, connected all the muscles together, put the artery back, the veins back together. The doctor told me, look, man, I don't think you're going to be playing football for about two years. I don't think you're going to be able to move your hand for about a year. I don't think anything is looking good for you right now. You know, when I had that, when I got told that, I was just like, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I don't think it's going to be two years till I play. I bet you it's it's about maybe a year tops. I was thinking a month later, I go back for my visit. I have this cast on and everything, and I'm not supposed to be able to do any of this, like move my fingers, move my hand. You know, I was just like being able to move my fingers like this, just like very little. And then when I took that cast off, they were like so blown away that I could move my hands slowly like this in my fingers. And they're like, yeah, that's crazy. Like you're already at like 30% recovery. Like we were expecting to be at like 5% fastest we've ever seen. And then uh, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, we don't need the cast anymore then. So about a month later, month without the cast goes by and I go back in and they're testing my strength and everything. I have full range of motion in my hand. I can almost move my uh, wrist all the way back. They're like, this is the fastest recovery we've ever seen. Like, this is insane. I don't know how you did it, but you're already at 80% recovered. And we weren't expecting to be like here in for another year and a half. Like they were just blown away. Uh, had one more appointment. I got fully cleared after that. And then I started training immediately again, got back into it. That did, you know, that did have a huge effect on where I was at before that injury occurred. I was out training in uh, Minneapolis at ETS Performance. I was training over there. I uh, got to meet a lot of Viking players out there. CJ Ham was out there. He was a good dude. Ben Ellison, he was out there. I actually played against Ben in high school. He's the tight end for the Vikings right now. Uh, he went to NDSU. He's a good guy. Yeah, it was just a, you know, overall, it's been a journey, you know. What did I say earlier? You have that against all odds vibe about you. I didn't even have any clue you had that injury and it just kind of, you have that vibe and it just kind of adds to your story. It's kind of awesome. So Garrett, before I let everyone go, I give everyone an opportunity that if an XFL head coach or key staff members were to listen, because I have had XFL executive on before. So if they were here listening and you had one opportunity to share something that you don't think they know about you, something of why they should select you versus another player if it came to the draft. What do you want them to know? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but this, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I got that against all odds mentality, like you're saying. Uh, I don't really care what the critics are going to say about me if he's too small or if he doesn't have enough experience any of that. Uh, I don't care what the doctors are going to tell me if I can't play for another two years. If I know I'm going to be able to do something, I have that mentality where I'm going to get that done. If I want that sack, that play, I'm going to get that sack. If I want to strip that ball, if I want to get a pick at the line of scrimmage and run it back 60 yards, I'm capable of doing that. I can do anything I put my mindset to, and I just got to be ready and focused for it. And I can, you know, I can get any job done, anything you're, that these coaches are asking me to get done, I would be able to do it. Awesome. Garrett, it has been a pleasure, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show and talk with me about your XFL showcase experience and overall football experience. 
I hope you receive an invitation to the XFL draft, but more importantly, get selected for an opportunity 2023 to play in the XFL. If so, I would love to have you come back on again sometime to discuss how things are going for you and how your team is progressing. Absolutely. If some of our listeners want to be able to follow you and your journey, how could they do so? Uh, you can catch me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, all my social media is just my first and last name. It's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-P-E-M-E-L-T-O-N. Garrett Pemelton. Perfect. Thank you, Garrett. Hey, thanks for this opportunity. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Wow. What a fascinating interview. To think of his journey from graduating high school with less than 100 classmates to attending four different colleges ranging from JUCO, Division II, and NAIA, and then have a life-threatening injury to defying doctors' expectations within six months. On top of those odds, an invite-only showcase opens, and you are presented with an opportunity to prove yourself to XFL coaches and staff. Finally, the cherry on top. To meet and converse with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and get a photo op of a lifetime. I hope this is not where Garrett's football journey comes to an end. I am rooting for him to continue to defy the odds and that we have the privilege of watching him play in the XFL in 2023. Before you go, the Let's Talk XFL fan line is open and we are waiting for your call. Why wait? Dial 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935 and leave a comment, question, or hot take. We would love to include your contribution to an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Let's Talk XFL. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com. <laughs>